Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Finishing your visit with Mary L, uh, following up her hypertension and hyperlipidemia, she mentions her father, who she believes is developing dementia, and wants to know if he should get one of those new blood tests to see if he really is developing a problem. What do you do, and how do you counsel Mary? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today on the show is Robert Baldor, professor and senior vice chair in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor of Baldor's Family Medicine Board Review Book. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Frank. Uh, great to be back. Great. Great to have you. So there's new guidelines regarding the diagnosis of dementia, and in particular Alzheimer's disease. Can you help us uh, understand what, what's changed and, and what's the current state of affairs? Yeah, this is fascinating. You're going to be hearing a lot more of this in the news here. Uh, recently, this has just uh, come out. And basically, it's a new classification system. So prior to this time, Alzheimer's has really been a diagnosis made on neurocognitive testing. And what they're saying is, you know what? We're beginning to refine biomarkers. We have biomarkers that are really helping us to understand uh, Alzheimer's disease. And we should be using biomarkers to um, really uh, work with the, with the diagnosis of this. Although I will tell you this is primarily in the research realm at this point to sort of say, who are we looking at uh, who has dementia, who has Alzheimer's? And we know that a number of drugs have been shown to not be effective. And so what this guideline and the classification system is doing is saying, can we detect people with changes with these biomarkers earlier on before they become demented and we're not seeing a benefit? And can we also see subgroups of patients so we can have more targeted um, pharmacologic therapies for this. So probably 30% uh, of individuals with um, Alzheimer's in these studies don't have amyloid. And so naturally the anti-amyloid drugs aren't going to work. So how do we screen those people out? And that's a little bit what this is getting at is trying to have a little more defined uh, system of uh, being accurate and being clear when we have somebody in a research protocol that has Alzheimer's, they truly have Alzheimer's. They don't just have some other uh, dementia. That's really what this is really going to be uh, helpful uh, Helpful for. Well, so it sounds like we're moving away from um, our, our former approach where we do neuropsych testing and we do put them through a battery of other um, uh, screening tests and, and, uh, um, and verbal interactions to make a very subjective diagnosis to one that's considerably more objective. But biomarkers, is this something that um, I, as a family physician, should be ordering when I suspect people have um, some dementia onsetting, ha having some onset of dementia symptoms? Well, maybe we should draw a little blood on you today and see. We can, we, can, we can start that. But I think a little bit of this is that um, 
Uh, I want to back you up a little bit. And we're not moving away from neurocognitive testing by any means. That's okay. still there. They're still using the clinical realm. And really the focus of this uh, will be for, for, for research. And they're talking about three particular biomarkers. Um, amyloid we've known about for a long time. Amyloid is a protein that's uh, been found in the brain. And you get these clumps of amyloid in the brain in individuals with Alzheimer's. And this clumping interferes with uh, neural uh, function so that the neurons aren't working as well. The second one is something called tau. And these are also proteins. Now, tau proteins are found primarily in the central nervous system, and they're responsible for stabilizing the microtubules, of the, the uh, functioning of those uh, uh, neural brain cells so that they function better. And these two are, uh, in Alzheimer's, dysfunctional and begin to clump up as, uh, as well. The third biomarker they talk about is neurodegenerative changes that are seen. So as so we look at these, these can be assessed not by blood tests, it's, they use uh, CSF fluid, so you get a spinal tap, and you're assessing levels of, uh, of amyloid in, in the, the CSF or, or tau proteins in the CSF. You can also do PET scanning to detect these. And interestingly enough, in um, Europe, uh, there's much more of a use for um, uh, CSF uh, in doing spinal taps. In the United States, we're more likely to do PET scanning looking for this, but there are currently no FDA-approved uh, uh, clear uh, guidelines or, or mechanisms for doing tau screening with pets with, for PET scanning. So it's being done right now in research arenas. The third biomarker is this neurodegeneration that you're seeing, and this can also be a uh, uh, looked at by uh, looking at CSF levels of total tau. But usually this is by PET scanning or by uh, MRI scanning, looking for for brain uh, atrophy. So that's really what we're looking at here is th this concept of. Uh, can we earlier on detect some of these changes uh, before we're dealing with dementia and, uh, and, and have that? All right, so um, Mary, let's say Mary brings her, her uh, dad in tomorrow. What, what approach should we have? What, what should we be doing in the office and what should we advise her going forward? Yeah, so, so for the most part, we're going to do the same advice we've had right along. And I think it's, uh, if she has a considerable concern, uh, probably it's reasonable to do some neurocognitive testing uh, to see uh, does he, uh, you know, have a mild cognitive impairment or, or more uh, severe symptomatology, uh, and then thinking about what are the therapies are going to be used for that. And I think we talked about that in prior sessions mm -hmm. as to what could be done uh, in that realm. What this new classification does, it's really targeted for looking at people with more preclinical disease or mild cognitive impairment that are on the path to developing Alzheimer's. So if you think about these classifications they're talking about with these biomarkers, you have um, amyloid, tau, and neurodegeneration. You can actually assess a patient and come up with a, um, a schema for them. Mm -hmm. So somebody could be amyloid negative. If you're amyloid negative, you probably don't have Alzheimer's, even if you have dementia. So that's really beginning to look at how do we test that and screen those people out of those research studies. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're not trying to do research on them. But you could be amyloid negative and tau positive, but neurodegeneration negative. Well, that's probably more of a preclinical stage. So can we pick people up that have just amyloid or just tau earlier on before they're actually exhibiting signs of mild cognitive impairment or dementia, and that's when the research should, start, should really impact on uh, looking at agents that are going to help us prevent that progression. So this is really exciting. I think the problem, though, is um, as it gets out there, people are going to come in and say, well, can we get that amyloid test? Can I get that PET scan done? They're not going to come in asking for a C, uh, spinal tap, I can reassure you. I would guess not. Um, but the PET scanning is, and, and so for amyloid, it's out there for um, 
Tau, it's still more research labs. Um, you're probably going to have trouble getting prior authorization to get the skinning done because it's still in the realm of experimental therapy. But I think that over the next three years, we'll be doing more and more of these tests on people with suspicion. So really what you would do, in my mind, um, would be something of positive family history or earlier on beginning to show signs of uh, mild cognitive impairment. Let's look at them a little more closely and start doing some of these, whether it's PET scanning or, or uh, spinal um, fluid analysis and trying to, trying to get to that. Today, no. Mm, three years from now, I bet we'll be at that, uh, at that point. And five years from now, we'll have that blood test that'll be out there to be able to detect remnants of these things in, in the blood. So that's my prediction, and you'll have to have me back in five years to talk about the blood. That's, that sounds like a plan, Bob. I just want to remind everyone that in the meantime, we should be looking for reversible causes of mild cognitive impairment. So when you, when you suspect this, um, consider a thyroid, consider um, a sleep study, and, and the other things that we have in our differential diagnosis. So, and I'm gonna put on there drugs, look at what medications are on because there's a lot of medications that, and also alcohol, but medications that really interfere with, uh, with, with, with executive functioning and, and so look at that too as well. Well, thanks so much, Bob. This is wonderful, it's really quite interesting and I bet you're right, I bet within the next three to five years, we'll be ordering tests for patients with mild cognitive uh, dysfunction uh, to identify early onset dementia and treat it aggressively. Thanks Excellent. again. Great. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. New tests are available to help identify dementia in its very early stage. These are primarily used for research, but anticipate knowing more about them over the next three to five years as they'll become much more apparent in our practice. Join us next time when we discuss uh, new data on how we should approach adverse symptoms of the perimenopausal period. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, Please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on primed.com. Thank you again for listening.